Welcome to the Sharon Fitzmaurice podcast and episode 56. You're very welcome back. A wonderful guest today, Reed Davis. And Reed is an expert in functional lab testing and holistic lifestyle medicine. He is the founder of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition, FDN, and the FDN certificate certificate certification course. That's me, little stammer <laughs> coming out there. With over 3,000 graduates in 50 countries, Reed served as the health director at a wellness center in Southern California for over 10 years. And with over 10,000 clients, he is known as one of the most experienced clinicians in the world. And he also loves gardening and riding motorcycles. Reed, what a lovely bio. You're very welcome. <laughs> Sharon, thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. And delighted, delighted, Reed. And I was saying to Reed just before we came on and pressed record, you know, that this podcast is all about sharing information and finding tools and techniques that work to help us holistically. You know, that and again, I love that you're working, you're looking at the whole person, you know, whereas I'm very much like about mind-body connection. I'm also, you know, working with the soul aspect of people as well, Reed, and really what we can do to help ourselves um, at, I suppose, sometimes the basic levels, you know, a lot of people, as you would know, are looking for the quick fix, you know, in a medication mm -hmm. and they want them to solve the problem. So they present with a symptom, but that symptom is the end result of maybe years before that of lots of other things coming on, you know, or arising that they may not have taken notice of it. So maybe you could explain to people why you started FDN, you know, how it came about, Reed. Oh, thanks so much for the opportunity. And regarding what you just said, it's so, so true. You know, people do have symptoms, but the underlying cause or condition can be very far upstream. And I am an expert in functional lab work. We do saliva, urine, blood, stool testing, all that stuff. But you can't measure some of these underlying causes and conditions. Again, they're so far upstream, they're hidden. And by the way, they're, they're having an effect upon each other. And so it just gets really interesting. And, but to answer your question, um, in the nineties, I was an environmental paralegal. I studied environmental law and I went to work, well, saving the planet, air, birds, water, trees, bees, you know, I was very happy riding my motorcycle in Southern California and, and, and cleaning things up. Eh? Yeah. And so, uh, but then my attention later on, just before the turn of the century became people, well, what's happening to people? I, I see the damage being done to the environment and the land and such. And I thought, uh, what about me? What's this gonna be doing to me in a few years? And that's when I, I just changed careers. I went to work in a wellness center. It's a clinic with alternative medicine and things, some, some conventional. But uh, they put me to work, mostly growing the business. I was a good businessman. But, but I, I, the owner was going to get her diplomat training in nutrition and said I could tag along uh, as her assistant. And that if I did all my homework and all her homework too, then I would earn this certificate in nutritional therapy. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, so I fell on that opportunity, of course, it worked in that clinic for 10 years and people coming in, Sharon, you'll know what I'm talking about. 
were in what I coined back then was the cycle of trial and error. They were struggling. They had been to six or eight or even 10 different practitioners and they weren't better yet. Matter of fact, some were just getting worse still. And so one day I was out in the country and riding my motorcycle and I'm really enjoying that freedom that comes with, you know, the open air and, and uh, doing what you love. And I thought about the folks back at the clinic and I thought, man, they are getting ripped off. What a ripoff. So I, this is very early on. This is over 20 years ago. And I, I went back with the determination that I would be the last person that they needed to see with whatever their health problem was. Again, they were coming in with chronic stress-related downward spiraling conditions and, and weren't getting any help with conventional and even some of the alternative. And I know it's very naive for me to have said that at the time, I'll be the last person you need to see, but that's what I determined. And so I spent 10 years running labs, 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 labs on every person, like just as many as I could. And I started to, I like to say, stumble upon certain principles and, and certain patterns. And, and I reckon, and I, I followed up and I, I, I had great mentorship but I also made my own observations. When you do that volume of work, you have to learn something. <laughs> so, so I came up with these patterns and started being very successful with our, our patients and clients. And then uh, by 2008 or nine, I was encouraged by others to start teaching. And so uh, I'm still learning, of course, but I've been teaching that functional diagnostic nutrition or FDN certification course for, for uh, quite a few years now, and it's grown. So what I discovered in short is that I could help a lot of people in the office. You know, I was out lecturing, I was gathering, we were very successful in, in getting new clients and patients and uh, helping them. And, but, but it, it, it was sort of forced into my, uh, uh, you know, view that read, read, you can help a lot more people if you would train others to do what you're doing. Mm. And so now I'm dedicated to, to spreading that around the world. Mm, amazing. And I always say that as well, that anything we learn, you know, that it's going to benefit others to share it as much as possible. So yes, you as only one man can see as many clients as you physically can, but isn't it lovely to be able to share your teachings with all of these new practitioners now all over the world and the amount of people that they're actually helping now? Oh, it's, it's remarkable. I'm, I get up every day, just feeling blessed. Today's my wife's birthday. And, oh. and I said, happy birthday. And then I went back to counting my own blessings <laughs> <laughs> of which I count her among, of course, but, but just gosh, how lucky could I be? We, we have an organization of about 32 people uh, working around the world to expand our mission and to help others learn and carry on the good work. So yeah, it's quite, quite remarkable. Yeah. Amazing. So amazing read. And again, that idea, you know, when you started learning a little bit more and running those tests, you know, that you, I suppose you were learning and through your clients and that awareness, everything was growing a little bit more and more. What did you find? Um, I suppose maybe recurring patterns with people apart from them coming to you and saying, I've been to, you know, many doctors or practitioners of alternatives. And 
I'm still not feeling any way better. I'm still having a lot of these symptoms. You know, are they at a kind of a last resort or, you know, what are they looking for when they come to you? Well, first of all, I want to acknowledge something you said that I really appreciated when, as I've looked at your work. I think that the idea of awareness, you mentioned awareness and people have to become more self-aware and realize that they have some control over their own health and they want to exercise that control. Matter of fact, as you know, in the last couple of years, others have stepped in and, and tried to dominate, maintain that control over people's lives, including their health, their businesses and, and what have you. And so I think that what the work you're doing with awareness and self-awareness is really critical, a critical component. And so I've worked along those lines, first of all, with my, my own health, my own journey and things. But uh, when it gets down to the nitty gritty, you know, beyond that, uh, I recognize this pattern. We call it hidden, H-I-D-D-E-N. And what I noticed after those years and thousands of labs is that everyone coming in, other than their, again, the mental, emotional, spiritual angst and, and having no purpose in life and these very important aspects, their physical bodies, the cells, tissues, organs, and systems are in chaos from the environment, which, you know, I started out my studies there, but from eating bad diets and not sleeping well and never exercising and having, again, all kinds of these stressors around. And so I just came up with this pattern that if we tested their hormones, their immune system, digestion and detoxification, that's the H-I-D-D. And, and it took me a long time. I, I just with those alone, I was having amazing results, get their hormones balanced, improve their immune system, some are overactive, some are underactive. Digestion, you know, assimilation, breakdown, absorption of nutrients, and things, and then detoxification. There's so many things in our environments that can just pollute our bodies. And it creates this chaos. There's this very chaotic state. Matter of fact, I coined the phrase metabolic chaos. Mm -hmm. That's my one diagnosis. I'm not a physician. I can't lay down a diagnosis of, you know, Hashimoto's hypothyroidism or or any of these other things. I don't care about those medical diagnoses. I care about sorting out the metabolic chaos and those four areas, HIDD, hormone, immune, detoxification, were critical. Now, as I worked on those, I learned about how to individualize a diet according to one's genetics. And that's when I found out that energy production in the cells, you know, you don't have to teach them what their job is. They have this innate intelligence, right? They know what their job is, but we have to give them the right fuel mixture. So the E is energy production, H-I-D-D-E, and the N in this hidden uh, acronym is the nervous system balance between the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. People get way too sympathetic dominant. Believe it or not, there's those that are overly parasympathetic and so H-I-D-D-E-N became the pattern I recognized in every person that ever walked in our door. If they have a chronic stress-related downward spiraling condition, when you sort those things out, they get better. And it doesn't matter what their medical diagnosis was, Sharon. If they were, back then, fibromyalgia was the big thing. Yeah. 
chronic fatigue and irritable bowel and a lot of these things still going on autoimmune conditions everything from migraines to psoriasis and so it just didn't seem to matter what their medical diagnosis was again that's not my uh, backyard uh, i don't play in that sandbox you know we just find out what's really out of balance and what's malfunctioning within those areas h-i-g-d-e-n and then then people have um you know forget the diagnosis um they're kind of tired of hearing that uh one more diagnosis one more test and, and another uh label on some symptoms and probably some pills mm -hmm. to make them go away mm -hmm. and so people wanted to take responsibility they said they became more self-aware as you educate them they go well and you know what they say what can i do not what can i take like what's your pills doc you know it's what can i do and so then a whole uh again another acronym and a, 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 a the, the elements that will help you change every cell tissue organ and system in the body Remember, most of my work was in a clinic where it's the physical body and addressing things. So it was the H-I-D-D-E-N investigation. And then the D-R-E-S-S, -S, holistic lifestyle program. So that stands for diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, and supplementation, D-R-E-S-S. -S. And so we became experts in applying those principles, the principles involved in eating for your genetic type, uh, getting a good night's sleep, <laughs> and other ways of resting, by the way. Uh, it's not just sleep, but resting your emotions and your soul, if you will. And, and so D, diet, R, rest, E, exercise. And, you know, that goes without saying that they say, I think, sitting is the new smoking or something like that <laughs> yeah always on our butts way too much um but diet rest exercise now that's dairy now this two s is stress reduction and supplementation mm -hmm. stress reduction is huge it includes things like that existential angst from having no soul or purpose or, or self-awareness or, or any of these things that's really huge mm -hmm. so i love your work in that area and of course, supplementation. And I don't have my own line, but I know a lot about supplements. Uh, I know that food is pretty low quality these days. Uh, and you need some extra vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids, antioxidants, trace elements, phytonutrients, and they can be supplied into the diet with supplements. And so uh, that's a really rounded out holistic grounding program uh, for those with a medical condition or just vitality program for those who uh, just want to improve and be their very best at all ages yeah i love that i i love all the aspects of it and i love that it's so well rounded and again as you said it's for people that you know they don't have to be you know on their last legs as we say in ireland you know that they're not falling and they're giving up and there's nothing else but it's for all of us you know and you spoke about that and i'm always a promoter with my own clients and groups and what I teach is that we have to be aware of listening to our bodies, listening to what we need on a daily basis, not just when we get the symptoms, because again, that's the last sign or signal for you to say there's something going on. 
So for me, it would be kind of a mindful practice that I would teach people is, you know, how are you feeling? Check in with yourself. You know, how is your body feeling? Because they are separate, you know, because people say, oh, well, I'm feeling really whatever today. And I'd say, but that's how you're feeling. But how is your body feeling? Because your body mm -hmm. is responding to that stress, to that, you know, mind connection. And you talked about the nervous, nervous system. And I'd like you to maybe go in a little bit about that, because we know now about the mind-body connection, Reed, and how it's affecting people on so many levels. So they may go to their doctor or physician and say, I'm really struggling. You know, I have my physical body feels it's in pain. I'm just in so much stress. You know, I'm emotionally unwell. And the doctor turns around and says, well, there's nothing wrong with you physically. Mm -hmm. You're just, you know, it's your mind. So here's an antidepressant that will help you. Oh, boy. How many times have we heard that? You know, some of our clients say, well, I've been to the doctor and he ran the blood test and he said, there's nothing wrong with me. But I know there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a remarkable thing. And I love how you said that uh, you'd have people check in and on, on their, how they're feeling and how their bodies are feeling. And they could also check in on one more thing. And that is how well are you following a good diet and going to bed on time and exercising regularly and following a narrower path. Mm. Some of us are just all over the place and and for some time, at least a narrower path is something else you could check in on. So I would just add that to your menu there. Um, I also have to say that my grandmother, uh, Alice was a, Alice Connolly was a Irish woman who I learned an awful lot from. Wow. <laughs> a, you have a, a, a familial uh, affinity for, for what you just said. Um, and so uh the the dress program is you, you you know it's it's hard for me sometimes to pick one thing which one should i do well it really requires as i just said checking in on how well are you doing there's just five areas yeah. you could hold your hand up and label your fingers d-r-e-s-s -S. Mm. and on a daily best basis by the way, journaling is i know you've mm. um, suggested to people is very important and and um, there's other ways to check in, you know, after you've eaten, how do you feel after this meal? How do you feel after that meal? Mm. But with regards to the nervous system, uh, the, the mental emotional aspects are, well, you know about psychosomatic illness and things, and they're very influential. It actually works. There's a scientific way to look at that. It works through the limbic system, the amygdala, the hippocampus. And you have the hypothalamus, the pituitary, and so on. So yes, you you are being um, <laughs> influenced. All of these these organs in your head actually are being influenced by the environment, mm -hmm. and it could be as simple as you got yelled at, your boss, and you had a, a little fit. Um, your your uh, your Irish grandmother <laughs> spanked you. <laughs> <You're> the, <laughs> No, she was the most loving person. I learned how to love from my 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 uh, my maternal grandmother, yeah. and so because she just never failed to express how much she missed us and loved us and things. And so, but that was part of her emotional upbringing and, and things that you could check in on and mm. made us feel great value. And and at the time, I didn't know it was the 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 hippocampus and the amygdala and the, the uh, hypothalamus pituitary working, but what it did was control our 
stress hormones. Yeah. So it very much affects the stress hormone cortisol. Mm -hmm. And by the way, olfactory is also very, very important. It has a direct connection to these, uh, this limbic system. And so smells, this is why people love their candles and their, mm. uh, the why, why, you know, breakfast in the morning smells so good. It's actually having an effect upon your overall health and wellness, uh, their direct connection through the nervous system and these organs and things. And so I could go pretty much as deep as you'd like to go on that yeah. subject, Sharon, but there's a scientific yeah. way of looking at it. I, I nerd out on some of that stuff, maybe a yeah. little more than some people but the the fact is that um mental emotional stress can be devastating you have a direct effect on how your body's functioning and it could be a a very uh abundant source of negative influence i call it contributor to metabolic chaos mm -hmm. even just you know in the morning you're driving to work and you might feel pretty good but you get cut off in traffic you know some someone moves over in your lane and all of a sudden you're all excited and think it can really have a serious effect if it happened every day and then you got to work and you really didn't get along with your co-workers and then you know you have financial it just there's just all this yeah. pressure and that can really go downstream not to mention other bad experiences which i know that you're an expert in i you know it's as you're speaking you know it's um you say it in a, a different way, but it's the same thing. I always talk about our reaction, you know, to mm -hmm. our environment and to our situations and the people in our lives. And, you know, the more we're reacting, the more that we're, you know, causing stress in our own lives, you know, because you hear a lot of people saying, well, it's because of my work and it's because of mm -hmm. the traffic and it's because of everything else. So we're not taking responsibility. So one of the things I like to say is take ownership and responsibility of how you're reacting just in your daily life. You know, as you said, narrow the path a little bit, you know, checking in on, you know, how is my reaction in my work with my relationship with my family? And I love even, you know, coming down and saying, you know, after I eat certain foods, my body always feels sluggish or slower or I have a pain. And I'd say, well, if it's always like that, why do you keep putting it into your mouth? <laughs> yeah. yeah what a question that's mean <laughs> no, I, I couldn't agree more you know and and i have a way this might help uh, the audience you know of checking in on that so here's three things you want to look for mm. about two hours after a meal yeah. let's say it's breakfast lunch evening meal whatever it might be 92 minutes to two hours later check in on your First of all, satiation. Was that a satisfying mm. meal? It's, it's, a, it's called satiety. And uh, it's a sense of satiety and, and uh, feeling satisfied and not craving. So if you feel, wow, that was a great meal. And, and uh, you're not craving anything. If you feel something was missed, ah, something was missing. Mm. You know, then it's probably not the right macronutrient ratio the right amounts of protein and fat and carbohydrates all three are important but if you got too much of one not enough of another uh, you, your fuel mixture is incorrect for your for you yeah. individual basis you're yeah. you can call it a genetic type if you want but it's just it's wrong for you if you're not feeling completely satiated 
and craving things. Something was missing. Mm. Now, in addition to that, you need to have a good, strong sense of energy. So satiation, energy. And I'm not talking about nervous energy, tired underneath. And this, I'm feeling really well fed. Your mm. cells are fueled properly. Remember, you don't have to teach them what their job is. You just have to feel them properly and you'll feel a strong sense of energy. In other words, you can get to the next meal, the next pit stop or fuel stop uh, and do all your work that you have to do. And that could be having fun. You could be working physically. It could be working at a desk mentally and, and, you know, putting your whole um, self into it, you know, a good, strong sense of energy. And lastly, you'll like this one is a sense of well-being. Now, if you're grumpy for no reason, it could be that you're not eating right. You're just, or like you mentioned, the sluggish, the foggy thinking. And these three things together, satiation or satiety, uh, uh, energy, good solid energy, enough to do your work or have fun. And then, of course, the sense of well-being. All three can be figured out. They're things to be aware of. You know, If you're going to check in on something, check in after a meal about 90 to 120 minutes on satiety energy and sense of well-being and then if something's not right you could you, like you said why you keep shoveling that stuff in there you know go back and change the macronutrient ratios a little more protein even more fat sometimes we're told it's bad which is not true uh, the wrong fats are bad the trans fats, and there are bad fats out there, but if you're eating good, clean fats, then you need plenty of it. And um, uh, then the carbohydrates should obviously be complex, low glycemic index kind of things. Um, but I think that's a pretty good tip for people. Yeah, very good read. And I know I also um, know that you talk about, you know, and that probably goes into the testing when you're, when your practitioners or you had tested in the past that some people are uh, a protein type or a carbohydrate type, and they have that different um, metabolism, you know, to burn off, say, I could eat lots of carbohydrates and use it to be my fuel and doesn't, I don't put on weight from it, or I could be the protein type and I eat lots of meat and less carbohydrates. But again, can you test for that in individual clients? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. I was just thinking of an old rhyme that uh, one of my grandparents said, Jack Spratt could eat no fat, his wife yeah. could eat baleen. Remember that one? Yeah. Now, <laughs> uh, believe it or not, I think that was had to do with political aspirations of uh, some some couple, but it applied, it applied in our family to uh, the fact that we had different requirements in terms of what was producing energy and satiation and, and a sense of well-being. But um, uh, I'm, I'm uh, trying to go back to what you just asked me um, because I got distracted there. Yeah, okay, um, in the testing for... The testing uh, yes. is so important. And um, that happens to me a lot, actually, is I get so excited about my work. So there's a web, there's a website you can go to. It's mtdiet.com. That stands for metabolic typing, mtdiet.com. Now, anyone can go there. It's not much of a website, but it does have the only test I know of that will give you your 
metabolic type so that you can have a place to start uh, on the macronutrient ratios and which ones, which, which proteins, which fats, which carbohydrates could also be very important. So what you're going to do, if you go to mtdiet.com and, and uh, there's a small fee and you could pay that and you could get um, uh, a lot of education and the correct metabolic typing diet, you get a whole report. Um, I wouldn't let the, uh, the depth and breadth of the report confuse you. You really just want to get the diet and the diet check record sheet, which measures exactly what I just told you about the, the macronutrient ratios will dictate your energy, sense of well-being and satiation. Just use those two items and you'd be amazed how it would turn your life around. All my students do that test. Wow. All of my students do that test as part of the program. And they all just seem to love it. I mean, there's some questions that come up, but you get a series of videos to watch and you can watch them over and over. And it's, it's very instructive in figuring out the right diet for each person. And uh, so it's highly individualized. Yeah. And I think that's so important because we're not all the same. And as you said, if we have a different genetic makeup than the person beside us or even someone in our family, as I said, they could be very different to us in what we can fuel our bodies with and our minds with. And, and I think it's to treat ourselves because one of the things is we are sometimes labeled under the same heading. You know, and again, sometimes I know in um, conventional medicine, I suppose there's a lot of labels until they have to go further and they can't do all of those tests, you know, in one go and we don't have the time and they don't have the time or resources to spend time with a lot of their patients. So again, it comes back to the responsibility of the individual, you know, as you said, and getting to know yourself a little bit better and knowing when you feel good and when you don't and what stresses, you know, that you have in your life. I think, again, as you said it there and pointed out, I love being aware of where I am in my life, how I can make it better, how I can change it, how I can improve it. And one of the things about your um, FDN training and I saw um, one of them being interviewed on YouTube and it was amazing how, and I really loved the interview. It was so beautiful <clears throat> because it was a lady who had an autoimmune disorder and had been told she was going to live with this for the rest of her life. There was nothing else she could do. And like that, she had gone and tried many different things in her life and nothing had helped until she heard about FDN. And she said, all of a sudden, she said, I was given hope, which was a huge thing in her life. But it wasn't hope that things might get better. It was the hope that now somebody knows that I can work through the GRESS and through the hidden, as you have said, all of those changes, lifestyle changes that will help her. And she said within a few months, she started feeling so much better. The changes she had made in her life through FDN support helped her amazingly. And now she's a practitioner helping her own clients all over the world. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's quite remarkable. And thank you for reminding me of that one. It is, it's like a lot of, of our graduates, they, they come to the program actually for their own health. Mm. They, some of them don't even think they're going to be a practitioner they just and that alone is worth the price of admission if you just got healthy that'd be great 
but she carried on and now helps others that it's she has joined the the forces so to speak mm. and is out there helping other practitioners uh, build their businesses and and spread the love so to speak yeah. but yeah uh they're, they're, on our website there's a lot of those kind of interviews mm. but i could just tell you that it's and you know this how rewarding the work is when you help someone really just thank you is is all you need i mean we do it commercially of course it's our business and we yeah. we treat it as a profession and we make our livings doing it but um it, i could tell you uh, with men women children we, we had a lady uh who was in the office for um care uh for herself and by the way, I don't have an office anymore. We could do all of this online with, any, you know, now that there's Zoom and, and all these different things. Um, but back then I had an office and she was in for herself and we were getting some great results. And she said, do you work with children? I said, well, you know, and I was a football coach for 15 years. I raised four children. And so I said, yeah, I work with children. I really had never had a child client before, but I said, yeah, sure. What's going on? She said, well, the, the schools uh, wants to send him home and they want me to take him to a doctor and get him put on, on Ritalin was a big, uh, very popular drug back then for ADD. They says he has ADD or ADHD, this and I said, well, um, do you think he has a drug deficiency? And she laughed because that's supposed to be funny. <laughs> mm -hmm. But she says, no, I don't think he has a drug deficiency. I think it's something else. But all they want to do is put him on drugs because he was misbehaving. He, he was not paying attention. He was poking at the other kids. He was uh, irritable sometimes and so on. And so we just ran a couple simple tests. And within three weeks, Sharon, the principal of that school tracked me down through the mom and called me, got me on the phone and said, uh, what did you put Billy on? <laughs> and of course, there's no magic pills. We didn't put him on anything. We got him off of the, ir the foods that were irritating his nervous system mm -hmm. and causing him to jump around like a little monkey, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, um, and so he said, to me, well, that kid, he's a completely different kid. He's getting good grades. He's friendly to the other children, getting along socially. He's just uh, almost a model kid. <laughs> so he thought it was all in a little bottle or jar or something. I had to disappoint him say, no, sir, there's, it's work sometimes to, to have it. I've had the same kind of turnarounds with other children that had asthma, with adults with, you mentioned the skin conditions, migraine headaches all kinds of irritable bowel disease, all kinds of things. Now, it's, um, it's not guaranteed, but with every person, I assure you, there are reasonable expectations. Mm. You know, we will either uncover the hidden stressors that are upstream contributing to this condition or mm. set of symptoms, or it's possible what we call vital voids could turn up. And that's where the... Either there's a part missing. I've had people that forgot to tell me their gallbladder was taken out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you just told me you Parts lost your gallbladder, <laughs> now, that would have been a good thing to know about you. But it turned up in different ways. Like that would uh, decrease your ability to digest fat. 
So these people that have fat digestive problems and there's symptoms that, that um, occur with that. So we find vital voids uh, through a process of identifying the contributors to the metabolic chaos, eliminating them, coaching up function, of course, and we let the chips fall where they may, and people just get better or vital voids may be revealed. And that could also be genetic conditions that you didn't know you had. Uh, there's some things are just, you know, the way the cards were dealt, um, you will have to mitigate a certain, certain uh, sort of dysfunction or less than less than optimum performance by somewhere in your body so the either you get better or vital voids are revealed which can be dealt with on an individual basis um, you can't grow a gallbladder bladder back uh, but you can take uh, bile acids and, and things like that you know even just good old-fashioned ox bile it's been used for uh, a millennium uh, and, and these things you know there's so there's natural things you can do to help and that's, that's my way of saying, uh, we don't guarantee results, but we have very reasonable expectations. You'll be better, be happier. You'll need um, zero or less medication and so on and so on. Absolutely wonderful. And again, I think for people, you know, hearing that when you're talking about Billy, the little kid, you know, whether that's his name or not, that, you know, yeah. the teacher could see the difference. We only had this conversation at the weekend with a lady in our group and about her child and the teacher saying you have to put him on something. He's not able to focus. He's high energy. She knows herself. He doesn't sleep at night. He's constantly on, you know, he wants to do things constantly. And she said she feels so guilty as a mother, you know, putting him on this drug, but that the doctors aren't, you know, suggesting any other alternatives to her, you know. So I said to her, well, you have to do your research. It's not always going to be left to your doctors. It's your child. You have to do the research and find out what you believe may work better for him. And a lot of the time it does come down to their nutrition. It comes down to those foods, you know, that we think, well, all my other children have eaten it and they've been fine, but he's not responding to this food as well. You know, it's, it's causing a huge reaction in him. And I think if a lot of parents, you know, unfortunately, we sometimes, and I'm not speaking for all parents now, but sometimes parents, you know, when they're told one thing and they're told it's the best thing to do for their child, even if they truly don't want to do it, they feel this guilt. But would you mm -hmm. read, believe that we really need to do more research if we're going to give any type of a drug to our children or to ourselves? Yes, well, I uh, tried to make a joke there about uh, this young fella. Do you think he has a drug deficiency? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, well, obviously there's no such thing. Mm -hmm. um, and listen, I'm not against conventional medicine when it's appropriate. When my son was 13 and broke his ankle, I didn't take him to a nutritionist. No. I took him right to a physician who knew how to fix the ankle. So they do great work. But when it comes to some of these behavioral issues, uh, they're not trained. You know, they're, what they're trained in is relieving the symptoms, which is done largely through pharmaceuticals. That's their job. That's their training. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not a physician. I have a other training and experience, by the way, with, you know, searching for those underlying causes and conditions. Now, irritation of the nervous system just seems like an obvious one to me. And uh, I'll just tell you about another person I met. 
and she was coming in for her own issues. But we had these wonderful discussions. She was a principal uh, of what's called a charter school here in the States. Now, I, by the way, I grew up in Canada with, with just public schools. That's all there was, just like in uh, uh, UK mm -hmm. and so on, Ireland and such. Mm -hmm. And um, But in the States, there's public schools and there are charter schools. They're private schools, a lot of them. And um, she was the principal of five, a group of five here in San Diego, in California. And she would each day spend one day at each school mm. and uh, each of her five schools. Remember, these are private and, um, and they're businesses, but they're, they're very legit. They're doing an amazing job. Uh, and she would, one of her jobs was to sit in on disciplinary meetings parent-teacher, parent-teacher conferences with the kid. And um, she started asking the mostly little boys, sometimes little girls, little angels, you know, but sometimes these, those nasty boys, most of the time. <laughs> My grandmother, not the one I was talking about, the other one, she thought boys were dirty little birds and should just stay outside all the time. Oh. Go outside, you dirty little birds. <laughs> Anyway, um, before I forget what I was saying again, she's, she's in these parent-teacher conferences, and she started asking the kids what they had for breakfast. That's all. Just what did you have for breakfast? And let me ask you, what percentage of the boys in trouble do you think ate uh, sugary cereal for breakfast? A high percentage. A hundred percent, a hundred percent of little boys in trouble said they had pop tarts or, uh, you know, some sugary colored, highly colored, you know, Fruit Loops or something like that cereal, a hundred percent. So there's just, uh, that's a little bit, you know, do you want a pill, you know, to take care of that uh, behavior? Or do you want to look at some influences that maybe in effect here, you know, and obviously we err on the side of um, let's investigate. Mm. Yeah, and when you start paying attention to what you had for breakfast and how it made you feel, you might also pay attention to what kind of personal care products do you use? Yeah. Some of them have horrible chemicals. Mm. They're cheap, uh, they're, they're uh, very common usage. And they are irritants to the nervous system, to the immune system, to the hormones, even, mm -hmm. and so on. The same thing, of course, with and if if you start paying attention to that, well, what about your household cleaning products? Mm -hmm. Are you using something that's a, a neurotoxin? And you may well be. There are known neurotoxins in all these uh, various chemicals that we might put on our bodies, or hair, or or in our bodies, or um, used to uh, cleaner. You know, uh, and it goes on and on and on from there. A good resource uh, for your listeners would be uh, the Environmental Working Group. I believe it's just EWG, Environmental Working Group, dot org, dot org. And there's, they have a list of the Clean 15 and the Dirty Dozen Foods and all kinds of wonderful education on the environment and the influence it would have. And especially upon kids. Why? Because they're just little. Yes. You know, you might be able to take a little bit of something. I weigh, uh, I don't know what it is, in, 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 uh, but it's over 200 pounds. I'm a big guy. Mm. And so, I, you know, I can handle a little 
accents maybe yes. here there. <laughs> Not yeah. really, but you know what I'm saying? If you weigh 40 pounds and you have the same amount of toxic exposure, mm-hmm. how do you, what do you think that's doing to your little brain? And body Grounding and your such, body. It's you know? just, so, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, I think that there's an awful lot we can, as you said in the very beginning, be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really. about that awareness. Yes. And I'm so delighted that you were aware when you went and you started as that nutrition's assistant and you suddenly realized, you know, there's more here. There's more that we can do and started that testing. You started and kept running all those tests on people and found a way, a program that could help others, you know, identify what they actually needed and to help themselves. But that you've gone on now to train so many practitioners that are now going around the world, not only helping themselves, but helping other people. I just think that is amazing. So if you were um, that young Reed many, many years ago, we won't say many years ago, when you were very young as a child, (laughs) did you have a purpose in your life apart from kind of saving the birds and the bees and the environment and, you know, then finding your way into helping people? Would you look back to little Reed now, even though your grandmother said you were a dirty bird and your other grandmother said you were lovely? Do you look back to young (laughs) Reed and think, wow, look how far you've come, Reed Davis? Ooh, what a good question. You know, so um, I I always um, felt a little bit estranged from a lot of other people. And so it was a bit of a loner. And um, I wish I knew then that, well, it's because you've got a purpose. You just don't know what it is yet. And that's why you feel different is because you see people doing the sort of ordinary things. um, And it's not satisfying enough to you. You know, there's more. So, yes, I knew there was more. I just didn't know what it was. I think I might have just uh, got nurtured a little bit more in self-awareness and things. I. Uh, but I experimented a lot. I was searching. I did what, uh, what you know, I moved to the States in when I was 13 years old. That was 1966. So that tells you how old I am. I'm kind of an old guy. And you yet, don't look you know, old. I, thank you. And I, I know my voice sounds youthful. I've been told that it doesn't sound close to 70. But, um, you know, I did all the experimental things. I tried a lot of recreational activities that probably weren't very good for me. Um, and physically, I've been very daredevilish and uh, kind of abused my body. I have what I call now a well-used body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's got damage, you know. And then, of course, um, I was doing some other professions, the, the chemicals and things I worked around. I did furniture refinishing, believe it or not, for 15 years. And the chemicals involved in that are, and I was good. Everything I did, I had to be the best at, but, but man, did I take some hits there? Now, I I believe I've detoxified, but I don't know, maybe I lost some brain cells or something. Um, You know, maybe my liver is still a little bit uh, hurt. So, So I would have taken it easier on myself. I wouldn't have done as many outrageous I would have took or taken better care. Uh, I would have nurtured myself better. I I wouldn't have pushed it to the extremes as much, much fun as I had uh, riding motorcycles and and crashing them. 
surfing and football, I, you know, that's a contact sport. You, you get kind of wrecked and, and, um, and some of those chemical exposures definitely would have avoided uh, that. But, um, you know, it all circled around. It all circled around. And so here I am helping people. I'm pretty, pretty happy with that. I, I know I, I just, I kind of wish I didn't wait so late. Yeah, I, did, I didn't start really taking care of myself till I was in my late 40s, middle 40s, I'd say. And so, um, yeah, that's it. Word to the wise. My, my kids, you know, I've tried to influence them and they're, they're doing great. So it's all good, right? Absolutely. And you know what? I always say it's, we're never too old to learn something new or to try something new. And again, from our own experiences, we gain more wisdom, don't we? And we, when they say we know better, we know more, we can do better, well, something like that. And I think for us as well, not to be so hard on ourselves, you know, that we learn as we're going along and we learn how to be better to ourselves and to our environment and to each other. And that we can, um, one day at a time, change what we can. We would love to change the world overnight, Reed, but you know, even in your lifetime, that doesn't happen. But that we can all create a little change just by our own awareness and helping others. And I think you're definitely doing that. So continued success to you, Reed, and to all that you do. I'm going to share all your details on the show notes where people can find out more about FDN and if they would like to find out about the practitioner training and they can mm -hmm. watch your videos because you have some on YouTube. We can check out you're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn read you're everywhere so they can connect to there and find out more information. And I just want to say a very big thank you for taking the time to speak to me today, Reed. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. It was a wonderful interview. And uh, I, I do like the opportunity to just express to people the control needs to go back to you. If, if it seems like other people are controlling your health and other aspects of your life, uh, you can take it back. So that would be my last words. Take it back. Take, to get control take over yourself because you are responsible. Yes, you are. I love that. Reed, thank you. And a very happy birthday to your wife. I hope you have a lovely <laughs> day celebrating. Bye-bye. Thank you, Ruth. Bye, Reed. Thank you.